do you want to be the next Starbucks or do you want to just be able to have a, a hobby that pays for itself because you're selling enough coffee on the side to, you know, keep your own supply going and, and you're not having to buy coffee off the shelf. You know, that's an entrepreneur goal, right? Right. Yeah. So you don't have to be the next big thing. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Morgan, and I'm excited to have a guy on the show today who is my kind of dude. Al Hopper is here. Good to, good to see you, Al. You too, Jared, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm pumped to have you here, and we have uh, a bunch to talk about. Al's at, man, he's done a bunch of cool stuff in his career that we want to touch on, um, and he's also, he's also got a nice background in coffee, and for those that don't know, this could have easily been the slow roasted business podcast because as much as I love coffee so uh, excited to talk to him about all of that while we're chatting with Al today I gave him a sneak peek a second ago this is uh, what we're cooking today this is a it looks a little gnarly there on the camera but this is a full chicken stuffed with crawfish stuffing courtesy of our friends over at the Cajun Cleaver in Hoover Alabama I can't I can't state claim that I actually stuffed crawfish stuffing into uh into the chicken so let's get that on the grill and then we can get chatting now do you ever you ever grill out al yeah man i i used to grill out a whole lot more than i do um it's just so hot here in texas during the summer so i tend to yeah, grill no more in the in the winter time you know when it's bearable to be outside um but uh i'm definitely not a, a pit master like you dude I don't. So I make a I make this statement every time somebody says something like that. I do not claim to be an expert. I claim to be an enthusiast. Okay, um, so we got it on there. I spilled a little bit of the crawfish stuffing out. I don't think anybody's going to mind. Not at all. Al, I'm, I'm super happy to have you here. You've got an interesting entrepreneurship journey that you're right in the middle of. So tell me how your career turned into something where you got interested in entrepreneurship. Great question. So I mean, I guess it's just being curious, um, wanting to at some point just be the boss and try something different. Um, you know, I got out of the <laughs> army um, and I was an assistant manager at a pool table company delivering pool tables. Um, really kind of cool that way. Started learning more about what it is to run a business, uh, small business especially. And then um, we moved to Texas and started working corporate world, started just having to live by someone else's rules all the time. And it was definitely high corporate rules, you know? Um, and so I just kind of wanted to try something different and I started networking, started talking to people in the area, uh, got an opportunity to leave that company and start a new one. Um, at the time we called it social path solutions. Um, and, uh, that worked out for a little while, had to, take my leave there, got into consulting, um, you know, still had the bug of kind of owning my own thing. But at the same time, I realized that I need to have that solid background of having a day job at the same time while I'm getting everything else kicked off. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of it. And then really with uh, Full Deck Coffee, um, I own it with my brother, okay, uh, who's still active duty Air Force. And uh, it was just one of those things where it's like, hey, man, I'm in the middle of a pandemic. I need a next next. And um, a friend of mine had started a, a 
similar little kind of micro roast to order coffee company uh, in Arizona. And he's like, dude, this is so easy to get into. You got to try it. And so, you know, kind of just put, put it out there to my brother and go, hey, man, I got this idea, um, but I need your help. And, uh, you know, let's do it. And so he's like, sure. And then I started working at uh, E-Tech Global at, at the same time. Yep. It's actually worked out a lot better, you know, um, having the, uh, as a young company, in fact, we turned three um, next month, September 11th, wow, okay. um, 2020 is when we officially launched. I guess wow. not quite three, Almost. maybe two. Well, you made it past the one year mark. Most people don't make it past one year. So you got to celebrate if you're heading into the second year. Yeah. There's usually been an extinction event by now. So congratulations on that. Appreciate it. Well, yeah, we've come close. And, you know, that's that's happened. But um, <laughs> everybody does. You know, I think what's really helped me is just understanding that it is a a future growth. You know, there's the coffee world is just huge. Um, you know, a lot of people are doing it. Uh, I did have the benefit of learning from uh, the inside of, uh, of another major coffee company. And, uh, you know, just kind of took the bug. I mean, it's, the bug's always been there. I want to own something. I want to leave a legacy of something for my kids, you know, aside from just being a dad and getting them through their their years of growing up. Um, and so that's that's kind of how it all happened. You know, so many people, when they're in the stage that you're in, or actually before they're in the stage that you're in, they're so fearful of having both a day job and kind of working on their dream at the same time. And, you know, that phase of my career um, was kind of wild. And I look back on it now and, uh, you know, we talk a lot. I had Emily Lay on the podcast a while back and she's awesome. She talks about like, you know, balance and stuff. And we talked about how you kind of got to run out of balance. And I think, it's, you know, if you're working towards something great, it's okay to run out of balance for a little while and over-index on your career, knowing that at some point you got to pay that bill and you got to over-index on your personal life. I remember finding some papers um, that I had in my 20s and it was like some notes that I was writing and I flipped it over and I looked on the back and I had written out like the 24 hours of the day. And all of the things that I had to do, including like brushing teeth, showering, driving to day job, day job, eating, and then I, you know, sleeping. And then I figured out that this is me, how many hours I can peel out of every single day. And if I can dedicate those hours, that's, you know, four hours a day after everybody, after dinner or whatever, before I go to bed. And if I did that, you know, every day, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of work a week that I can make towards my goal. And I look back on that now and I'm so proud of that mindset. And I was, I'm glad that I, you know, I grew up in kind of a blue collar family. So hard work wasn't really a thing that we were afraid of, but tell me a little bit about that part of where you're at. Were you afraid to, it sounds like you started your, your company and then got your day job or was it vice versa? It was all right about the same time. So, um, you know, if you rewind back to 2020, like a lot of people when the pandemic hit, life changed. Um, and right. I was consulting, I was helping some friends with their business um, and just kind of doing some odd jobs in between gigs. And then I uh, had the idea to start Full Deck Coffee and 
you know, kind of slow pitch that to my brother. Uh, at the same time, I was reaching out to uh, some old contacts and saying, hey, uh, looking for a new gig, you know, you looking for anybody? Um, and so it just kind of happened almost right about the same time. You know, we signed, I think, the official paperwork for Full Deck in July of 20, launched the website September 20. I started with eTech August of 20. You know, so it's all kind of oh, wow. okay, at the yeah. same time happening, you know, while the world just doesn't know what the world is going to do yet. Were you, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this is like something I want to hone in on yeah. that moment. Like, were you afraid of the the work? Because I think, and I think the answer for that is probably no, but how did you wrap your head around, man, I'm going to have to work two jobs now. I think that stunts a lot of people's growth where they get worried about that. How did you handle that? Yeah. So, I mean... I've got an amazing uh, partner. My wife and I have been together since high school, so she knows kind of my drive. And my girls, thankfully, were high school and middle school at the time. Um, and so the family kind of understood. You know, you, you said it right on. There's a balance that you have to kind of come up to, right? How much time do I spend here? How much time do I spend there? And really that first year, the first six months even, um, we got to the point where I had to – scaled production. So it's a production team of one for our coffee roasting. You know, it's me. And so I actually had to double our production at one point because I was using a small sample roaster and I was getting enough orders in from friends that wanted to help support me that, you know, I had to basically double the, the production size to reduce time. You know, instead of taking an hour to roast a pound of coffee on a, on a sample roaster, I'm, you know, running two sample roasters and getting it out in half an hour or less. You know, so it's a, a, certainly that balance and, and just taking the plunge. I was worried um, that I wasn't going to be able to do both for a while um, because I did join a new team, new company, new responsibilities. Uh, and that was the, the primary income for the family you know, as far as my part yeah. of it. And so I had to really kind of give that focus to that, um, you know, thankfully because of the pandemic and otherwise, and I work from home, I work remote for my full-time role with eTech. And so I don't have the commute time, like you mentioned earlier, yeah. you know? Um, and so that saves a lot of time. It's time I can commute to the, you know, to the roaster, um, you know, go to the, the garage or the, the new roaster area that we have set up, you know, so it's a lot of different pieces that had to fall in place. And there were a couple of nights where it, you know, little bit of sleep and it showed the next uh, day. Luckily you make coffee for a living. So <laughs> right. probably it's all <laughs> circle of life right. that helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got a sample and quality control on this batch. You know. <laughs> So you've got this drive and you're doing this. How do you have that conversation with your day job? Because you said that clearly they know about what you're doing. How did you broach this subject with them and how did they react? I work with some of the most amazing leaders uh, within the company. Um, E-Tech is a global company. We've got over 3,500 employees um, across three different countries. And so, you know, I just, I was honest with them. I said, hey, look, this is something I'm trying. I have no idea what it's going to do, but I will make you this, you know, kind of work and compromise, I will give you the time you want and need for me to be able to be successful and manage my responsibilities for you. Just, uh, you know, from time to time, I might have to 
you know, rearrange phone calls or, or take a, a moment out to do a, a quick run to drop off packages. And they were absolutely supportive of it from the work, from the get go, you know, and it's rare to find a company like that. I got to give them a shout out for that. You know, they, um, they really do kind of embrace the, uh, we know that everyone doesn't work just for us. Yeah. You know, it's okay to have a family. It's okay to have hobbies um, and do other things as long as the work gets yeah. done. Well, yeah, you're fortunate, obviously, to work with a team that, that thinks that way because not everybody does. For sure. That's interesting. So, I mean, you got into, you know, you got into coffee making. I want to actually check the chicken while we're chatting here. Yeah, man. Okay, barely moving. Let me move the uh, – I've got it on 355. Let's go ah, – let's take it up to 400. Got to pump those numbers up, baby. Come on. You got to get those numbers <laughs> up. What a, so tell me about full deck. What, is, what does full deck mean? We use uh, a Western poker theme. Okay. Um, and so the idea is, is, you know, you watch World Series of Poker and folks are running these marathon tournaments to qualify yeah. on TV. Um, and, and you think about Thursday night poker, everyone's drinking and having a good time, but you really want to keep your wits about you. And, and you know, you need that boost. You need the energy to be able to go, go, go. Um, and so bringing in coffee to me was just kind of a natural fit. Um, you know, the, the Texas theme, we're Texas born. And so that kind of worked as well. And, you know, we, we have our roast named after different hands of poker. Oh, wow. Okay. Know? And so it kind of goes with the theme, you know, our, our favorite roast is a medium roast and it's a, called royal flush i mean it's the best hand you can you can't beat it you can't beat it you know you can't beat a royal flush in poker can't beat a royal flush uh roast of coffee man i'm on your website right now fulldeckcoffee.com for those listening and uh great branding by the way appreciate it right, let's see so cowboys tell me about cowboys dark roast you know and, and kind of again calling back to the the culture and cowboy roast the rough guys the rough and tumble you want to drink the the darkest roast and it just gets you going it's you know easy to drink black um but you know the the iconography of you know a bunch of cowboys sitting around a, a campfire in the early morning doing cowboy coffee you know yeah. and that's all they got so that's uh and cowboys is a, a nickname for uh four of a kind kings okay all right, listen, if you just heard a ding in the background, that was me. I just hit add to cart. So when I get done with the show, I'm going to boop, hit that checkout button because I, I love, love a good it, coffee. Man. That's for sure. So let's talk a little more about that. So you, you told me that, you know, you talked to your brother and you had this kind of even playing around with the coffee roaster. It sounds like, you know, you, you went and you incorporated or filed your LLC or whatever it was that you put together. Mm -hmm. So those are like the small blocking and tackling that I think people can generally find out on their own. What is... Once you get all that done, what is the first thing you do? Like, how do you, how do you get started? Did you make a batch and just walk out your front door and start shouting at your neighbors to come buy coffee? Or how did you, I think people struggle with that stage. How did you get started, started? We just kind of told our friends and family. Uh, I think some of it also is the way that we got the name settled on. Um, you know, I crowdsourced that a little bit, you know, reached out to some college fraternity friends, some, some family, uh, some other business people that I knew, and I gave them a, a Google form. Hey, pick a, help us pick a name. You know, this is the themes that we're going for. And then, you know, that kind of sparked interest. And, you know, it's just kind of grown organically that way. So it was a lot of 
just going and having that conversation and not being afraid to mention it in conversation. You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of hide it. It's almost like a a, a dirty little secret. Yeah. You know, I've got this business that I've started, you know, but it's not big, so I don't really want to talk about it. Yeah, you got to get over that quick. You do. And, and you know, sometimes it is making sure that uh, you just turn on, you know, branding a little bit. Right? Yeah. One of the first things we got were hats, Beautiful. you know, and, and why? Because I wanted a hat and I wear hats a lot. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, kind of have to make that decision. You know, you're going to spend some money and, and you, you, you do that. Um, in fact, we put them on this website, you know, and uh, they sold out pretty quick. And it's just, a, it's a lot of just, you know, the, the friends and family are, are, are really kind of help growing it organically. I've got some, uh, some friends here locally that absolutely adore the, the work and adore the roasts. And, you know, they keep some in their office. And anytime someone comes by, oh, here's some coffee, by the way, nice. yeah, you know, yeah. here's how you do it. I love it. You know, get it from this guy. So it, it's about brand ambassadors too, you know. I don't think people realize how much if you're if you're honest about where you are and you just tell people like, hey, man, this is my dream. Like, you know, I want to build this. I want to make some great coffee and, I'm, you know, whatever it is that you're, you're doing. I don't think you can. Over, I don't think you can overstate how much people are willing to help you if you just are kind of open with them, especially people that you're friends with you. Like everybody likes to root for someone that's trying to do something. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I find that interesting um with this podcast i find it with other things that i've done i found it with proctor you when we first started it people you know when you're honest with them about hey we're starting this thing and we're working really hard people people there is a group of people that will latch on and will make it kind of a point of pride for them that they found you before you were huge uh and helped you get out there and then the, the one payment that you always got to give them is you always got to kind of tip the cap to them yeah man you guys were on board before everybody else was you know yeah. And, and, you know, you got to get creative and you got to try to find ways to do that. I think just having the conversation and like you said, being honest with the people you talk to about where you are in your journey. Right. I have this idea. I have this product. You know, there's a billion other coffee roasters out there, you know, uh, and that we all get largely we get our beans from the same places, you know. And, and so it's what separates you. It's a little bit of branding, a little bit of fun. Um, you know, it's the, the personal touches, you know, if you put your order in today, Jared, I'll have it roasted tonight and shipped Come in the on. morning. So by the time you get it, it'll already be degassed and ready for you to cut open and go. Um, you know, but that's the benefit of being a micro roaster is I can do that. You know, we roast to order. I don't roast big batches and they don't sit on a shelf, you know, and you can have that argument about the freshness of coffee and things like that. Um, but, you know, this way, you know, you're going to get it and you know that you're going to get that customer service, that customer experience. Um, you know, we have uh, this, you know, we talked about doing discounts personally, you know, my business background, I don't like a lot of discounts. Yeah. I don't like a lot of sales because to me, if you can afford to put a, your product on sale, then you're already overpriced and you're not doing your customers a service, right? Um, but at the same time, we do have a loyalty program. Call it the Players Club. Okay. Oh, okay. Players Club. Every time you order a bag of coffee, you get a signed card from uh, me and my brother. And 
when you get enough cards to play a poker hand, you turn those in, you share it on your social media, and then you know you tag us with it. Little guerrilla marketing idea it, there, yeah. and then I send you a, cu- a discount code based on the strength of the hand that you shared. Nice. So. This is a like full-on poker <laughs> thing. All right. Well, that, and that's actually really, really smart. Yeah. Let's check the grill here and see. I cranked it. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. So I might be getting a little scorched there on the edges. So this is why I don't, you know, I don't accept the moniker of Pitmaster because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling my way around. That's all right. That's um, all cooking is, is just feeling, man. It's it is, man. Experience it's it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. Yeah, I mean, honestly, just repetition, man, is, you know, the more I found that I really enjoyed every time I would, you know, spend spend some time at the grill and make something, even if I wasn't any good at it, like – I was having a lot of fun, and I sort of figured that out a couple of years ago. It's like I need to bring that back in my life. I did that a lot when I was younger, and then when I got hyper-focused on my career, like, man, I shut everything down. I didn't fish anymore. I didn't grill out. I didn't I didn't do anything but work, and um, again, I think you, you, know, you run out of balance like that, and you can do it, but I, I got to a place, just turned 40, and I thought, you know, I can't go my whole life not fishing. And I asked some, somebody asked me, Hey, what do you like to do for fun? And I said, Oh, I like to fish. And they were like, Oh, cool. When was the last time you went fishing? And I thought about it and I went, I think it's been seven years. <laughs> I was like, that's, I need, I need therapy. I need therapy if that's the real answer. So, um, I'm trying to do a little bit better. And, and I have found that at least at this age, I can do more and be more productive if I keep weaving in, healthy things that I enjoy, you know, you can't, you can't run, you know, grinding yourself down to a nub forever. And, um, the early part of a journey, uh, is, is the crucial part. You're trying to get, you know, something over the hump and you're trying to get something to kind of an inflection point where it's running on its own. But, um, it's hard. It's hard until you get there. Um, and once you do get there, you got to recognize it and start weaving back in some personal life or you're never, you know, you're going to burn out. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, having that balance and, and uh, is really kind of a, a big deal. So let's say, let me ask you a coffee question. So when I get these bags of coffee that I'm ordering, what is the preferred Al Hopper way to brew? What's your machine? What's your technique? What's your method? What, what, is, what is the optimal full deck coffee production <sighs> method? The one question I love to hate. Um, oh. So it really depends on the mood I'm in. The, the, what I'm going through at the time. So, you know, the, the Chemex or pour over, um, works. Okay. Um, sometimes just setting and forgetting the coffee pot works. Um, I also like to do a cafecito, which is a Cuban coffee using mm. a mocha pot, um, which funny enough is an Italian device. Don't ask me how that happened, but <laughs> I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Those things are all those little mocha pots are awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it really just depends. I mean, one thing, you know, like if someone will ask you, and I'm surprised this wasn't your question, what's the strongest coffee you've got or, how, you know, what's you know, what do you like? And, and it's really um, personal. You know, it's, it's all personal. Yeah. Like even the definition of strong is personal. It can be anything from the water ratios that you use to brew, the brew type, um, the grind size, the temperature brewing, the location of the, the, you know, the origin of the beans, the bean type, you know, there's all these different variables and there's really no right answer. You know, some people will think that it's got to have the most kick, right? The most caffeine. Um, Cool. 
go get some of those other brands that that like uh, like a death wish coffee that really yeah. promotes high caffeine levels right um might not taste the best right Be- <laughs> it, because it's not made to taste best so, so what is the point it's like what are you drinking it for right are you drinking it for the juice are you drinking it for the flavor you know what's your primary motive it's that's exactly right man and so it just depends like if i'm on a Saturday morning, the kids are still asleep. I'm getting ready to watch some uh, Premier League soccer, um, and, and the house is nice and quiet. I'll do a pour over, you know, whether it's a, in a Chemex, which I prefer, or uh, you know, actual one cup pour over. If it's uh, you know midday and I'm just not feeling it, and I need that extra kick. Throwing the mocha pot on the stove and making a cafecito. Um, it, it, sometimes it is like I said, just. We're going to have a busy morning. Got to take the kids to school. Got to do all these things before I can get going. I'm not going to have time to roast or brew my own cup. So you throw the, the grounds into the coffee maker with the, you know, an auto start feature and just, you know, it'll be ready to pour in the morning. Yep. Yeah. It just, it really depends. So I guess, you know, when do you drink your coffee? Do you drink it in the morning, in the afternoon? Uh, so it's as needed for sure. But I used to... I used to subscribe to the man. It's got to be the first thing that hits my lips in the morning. And now I'm a little more plugged into, again, I'm a little older, right? So like I wake up pretty dehydrated or whatever. And so I make sure I drink a lot of water first and we'll try to have something on the way to the gym in the morning or something like that. But, but usually like the best cup of coffee I have of the day is around 10 o'clock in the morning where sort of like the morning Mm -hmm. energy burst where I'm like getting some things done has kind of subsided and, you know, I'm really settling in and getting some work done and some things like that. And it's that, uh, that with my Ember coffee mug, by the way, which is a, like the fact that I don't know if you're an Ember fan, but like the smart coffee mug, yeah. bougie as hell, you know, <laughs> totally not necessary, right? It's not necessary, but it's to put it in the cup. For those who've never seen an Ember mug, hashtag not a sponsor, uh, you go and you put this thing in there and it Bluetooths to your phone and it, it, it keeps your coffee at the optimal temperature. Now, I know. I, I, lear- I literally can hear the eyes rolling when I say that. But if, man, there's nothing worse than like a cold cup of coffee. And there's nothing worse than like if you prep your coffee and do all this work and you put a lot of effort into it and then you sip it and it's, it's not hot. And then you're stuck with, I mean, do I microwave it? And then, but that kind of funk, funky fies up the Anyway, whatever. I told you I was a coffee nut. So. I used to have one that had like the little magnetic pill on the inside that would stir it for you. Oh, wow. So that was kind of cool for a while until I stopped putting stuff in my coffee. You know, I started drinking it black and some coffees I can do that with. Sometimes I can't. Um, you know, lately I've been t- uh, taking my coffee with a, a shot of sweet cream and some honey. You said shot and for like a split second I thought this was going a different direction and I was getting uh, excited. That's the Friday night cup. that's friday night friday night that's the friday night (laughs) cup that's that irish coffee right there man yeah so it's it's all personal though like you don't like drinking cold coffee it seems sometimes i don't mind a cold cup if it's brewed for cold now i don't okay i love an iced coffee right i guess my my i don't like a lukewarm coffee so you got to commit to the temperature extreme right either you're going to be hot or you're going to be an iced coffee either one of those are great a great cold (laughs) brew with chicory and stuff in there like new orleans style is outstanding right but you can't you got to pick you got to be either be cold or hot 
But did you know that coffee actually changes flavor as the temperature changes? What? Yeah. No way. Like our our ability to perceive the flavor changes or the actual composition of the flavor? I'm, I'm assuming all of the above. I mean, I don't have the most discerning palate, okay? But I can tell you that <laughs> there is a difference when you take a cup of coffee and it, you brew it. At, like I brew my coffee uh, at typically about 203 degrees um, when I'm doing a pour over or a Chemex, right? Okay. That's my water flavor or water temperature. Okay. You take that first cup, that first sip, and you feel it all the way down to your toes, right? And you can pull Mm. out some of the flavor notes, especially if you're drinking it black, um, you know, because each of the different um, origins and varietals have different flavor notes. Um, But then it'll actually change flavor notes over time as the temperature of the coffee changes. And so, you know, next time you, you brew a cup of coffee, Instead of plugging in your favorite mug, take it and just put it in a regular ceramic mug and just okay. taste it. Let it sit for a few minutes. Let it cool down. Taste it again. Let it cool down. Taste it again. And you will taste several different cups of coffee. Um, one of the coolest things that I've ever done was a cupping where I would take a bag of coffee and open it up in front of everybody. And I would do three different grind sizes, three different brew methods at three different temperatures. And it's all from the same bag right there in front of you, and you're going to have nine different cups of coffee. Wow. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Man, that's – okay. It's, that's a full deck hand of coffee right there, you got right? a full some hand of, of coffee. Aces. Yeah, absolutely. Some of them are aces and some of them are deuces. Yeah. All right, so last question I want to ask you, and I ask this to a lot of our guests, and this is, I think, is the right question to ask because you're going to speak to it from a, from experience. If you're talking to a person who wants to get started in entrepreneurship and they're afraid of taking the plunge, specifically they're afraid of the level of work that they're going to have to put in uh, to try to have a day job and do this on the side, what would you tell that person to encourage them? Well, you got to understand there is going to be a lot of work. You know, it is effort. Um, but it also, you know, have a plan. Maybe you don't jump right into your fully developed, fully maxed out entrepreneur program, right? Your new company that you're starting. Maybe you don't jump in, uh, you know, full bore and, and you go for the gusto. Maybe you start slow and start, you know, here's my product. Here's, I'm, I, you know, I can plan out. Like when I first started, I knew that it was going to take me about a half an hour to, an hour to roast a bag of coffee because I knew it was going to take, you know, so long per batch and it would take so many batches to make a bag. And so you had to plan that out. So how many bags of coffee could I conceivably roast in a night after I get off work before I go to bed? And, you know, that includes not only the roasting, but the packing, the shipping, you know, getting it all prepped and everything because I do it all. Uh, And so kind of the same thing. You know, any or any entrepreneur, you got to have that plan. And that was one of the reasons why we chose not to do any marketing from the beginning. You know, is what if I get a, a glut of orders, you know, somehow this thing just blows up and that actually kind of happens at one point. Um, and, you know, I've got this commitment to my customers that I'm going to roast within 24 hours of getting your order. And it's going to ship within 24 hours of that. And so you know you're going to get your the freshest coffee I can possibly get you. Um, how do I pace that, you know? And if I got, at the beginning, if I got an order for more than three bags a night, it wasn't happening. 
I wasn't going to be able to keep up with that commitment. Wow. So I had to throttle back and go, okay, well, that means I can't market. And so it's not going to be the income that I want right away. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that's a product. You know, if you think about, you know, there's other entrepreneur journeys where you can be a consultant as an entrepreneur. You know, how many hours of consulting time can you do in a day? Because that's just real work that you got to put in. Um, you know, so you got to kind of pace it out and just understand that you start slow, at least in, that's what I did. And then you kind of build up and build up until you get to that point, which I'm not even at yet, where you can make the determination, okay, now my entrepreneur journey, my side gig is big enough to be my main gig. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to provide enough income. And that's when you make that decision. I mean, I know the show's called Slow Smoke, but it's usually a sprint to get there. So I, I think it's interesting. I hope you're finding ways to scale faster, right? Then, I mean, that's, that's obviously got to be in the plan, right? Is it can't be as much as I can't wait to get my hands on some, some Al Hopper roasted coffee. Like it can't, it can't be that small batch forever if you're ever going to get it to where you want to be, right? What's your goal? Okay, you know. Okay, that's a fair that's a fair statement. Do you want to be the next Starbucks, or do you want to just be able to have a, a hobby that pays for itself because you're selling enough coffee on the side to you know keep your own supply going and and you're not having to buy coffee off the shelf? You know, that's an entrepreneur goal, right? Right. Yeah. So you don't have to be the next big thing. You don't have to be Starbucks. You don't have to be the next Black Rifle Coffee that started in a garage. And, you know, within five years or seven years, they they went public and they're just blowing up. You know, the, the journey is a hockey stick, a great study in the entrepreneurship world and watching that journey. Um, you don't have to do that. You can decide, I just want to make enough money from this to be able to pay for itself, pay for my own coffee, um, and maybe a little bit of extra spending cash on the side, right? Uh, cool. Then you're not going to work 12 hours a day with that entrepreneur program, right? right. Um, or the other side of it is I do want to be the next Starbucks. I want to be the next Schultz and I want to be the next big thing. And what did he do? What do I got to do to get there and have that three to five year plan? Um, and you got to make that commitment. It all comes back to committing, you know, whatever you're going to commit to, there it is. You know, um, our journey is the slow roast journey. You know, it's, it's the slow roll. We're not in any kind of big hurry. Um, my brother still has a few years before he retires from the air force. Um, and so, you know, there's only so much that I can scale on my own and before he comes back in and then we'll have our conversation, which way do we want to go? Do we want to stay just a micro roast to order? Do we want to get into something bigger? Um, you know, I've even thought about, you know, getting a coffee truck. Yeah, there you go. You know, there's a couple of places around town near me that I'm like, dude, this would be a perfect spot for a coffee truck in the morning, run it till about eight or nine o'clock in the morning and then take it all these construction sites. I'm home by noon, done and done. Right. Um, but that would take a heck of a commitment because you're not going to start at eight in the morning to be done by noon. You're going to start at four or five in the morning, you know, and when you get home uh, back to the, the shop, you're going to have to do a new roast, you know, all these other things to keep it going. So it's still not going to be a four hour a day deal, right? It's all the back work that goes into it. Yeah. Even looking at ideas 
where, you know, my kind of lifelong dream has been to retire, to own a bar and open my own version of Cheers. Not that I don't (laughs) want to show my age, but, you know, I got you by a few years. Um, You know, I wanted to be Sam Malone when I retired. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that was like maybe a goal. And now that I've got full deck running, maybe I can open up a, a, a shop that's like a cafe in the morning and then you close for a few hours and you flip it over and it's a whiskey bar, you know, in the evening. You know, and kind of keep that same thing. Theming wouldn't necessarily have to change much because yeah, westerns, everyone's drinking shots of whiskey. You know, big fluffy leather couches with places to study. You know, read your books in front of, you know, while you're enjoying your coffee in the morning. Um, and then you kind of control your audience by controlling the, the types of drinks that you'll offer. Um, you know, I, I had... A friend of mine even suggests to take that one step further and make the whiskey bar more of like a speakeasy from the 20s where you got to go through the room and the secret room and then a secret room and then you're in the whiskey bar, you know, and kind of give that experience. Yeah. That's what sets you apart. Um, Looking into something like that, it's going to take a lot of investment and a lot of commitment. Yeah. I don't know that I'm ready for that. So again, as an entrepreneur, set your limits and be ready to not have to be that big next thing. You know, understand, do the research. What is the time commitment that you're doing? Um, are you ready for that? Do you want to take the risk of whatever that is? Yeah. It's just enjoy the journey. I, I prefer the slow roast method. I'm a little conservative that way. You know, I don't, I'm not really big on risk. So I, I want to make sure that I want to do all the check boxes and all the research and make sure I understand what I'm getting into. Um, and then I'll make a decision. And even then I might run it by five, six, 10 different people before I make a decision. Um, some people say that's the worst way to be an entrepreneur. It can be. I mean, it can certainly, it can certainly freeze you out. I mean, I'm a big, I, I've talked about this on my show a lot. I'm a big believer in, you know, progress over perfection, right? And sure. you can sort of get stuck in, these feedback loops. And a lot of times you're getting feedback from people that don't really have the full context of what you're doing. A lot of times it's easier to build something, get it out there, uh, and then go to those people. Hey, what do you think about this? And then the next batch, you know, you tweak a little bit or you whatever. Right. And you just kind of keep iterating. I'm, I'm a big fan of iteration. I think that moves businesses forward faster. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting perspective to bring to our show because I think most of the time we, when we talk about entrepreneurship, we talk about scale and hitting the gas. And you know, you've got a different sort of type of entrepreneurship you're talking about, which is sort of like an additive to life, right? It's a, uh, um, a hobby, but it's a money-making hobby that can turn into something down the road. And I think that is in the in the pantheon of things that people um, – can do when they get into entrepreneurship. That's definitely a, a very viable option. And a lot of times people don't talk about that. Yeah. And I mean, I've had the experience the other way, you know, when I first left um, Citibank where I was at for 12 years after getting my MBA, jumped right into a, a another service organization that we founded and went big. We went all in, you know, we had a lot of funding. Uh, we were just, it was the thing and that was where we were going to go. And my partners had a plan, you know, a three to five year plan of where we were going to be. I was brought on more as the operational guy, you know, just because I had the, the knowledge of building the operation that we were working on. And, and so, 
you know, I've seen both sides of it. I, I disagreed with my partners on some of the, the decisions that we made. You know, that's another whole another conversation is the ingredients yeah. of an entrepreneur having the right team around you. Um, you know, so it, it just, it depends. I, I think with full deck, slow roasting it <laughs> to, to bring that in, you know, it's kind of the theme and being able to, to kind of learn the evolution of it, I think has really benefited the both of us. But it was also a commitment from the beginning when I went to my brother, I said, Hey, I got this idea. I want to do it. Um, I, I'm going to need your help. And I don't know if we'll ever recover the investment. I don't know if it'll last more than six months. Um, a friend of mine had a similar business model and that's where I'm getting a lot of my ideas from. And he was able to recover costs in 18 months. You know, I don't know. We're going to be a little different. Um, you might not ever see your investment again. Right? We might close doors and just, it might not even happen. And he was willing to take a chance on me and take a chance on the plan. Um, and I think that is just as much a huge part of being an entrepreneur is having the right team with you. you know, the first team with my first business would have made a whole lot more money. I mean, we were doing really, really well. Um, but I had to make some decisions as a business owner that, you know, we had to part ways. And, and you know, this time around, I, you know, wanted to slow roll it. Um, the, the fast, go fast and break things model didn't work for me. But that was building kind of a software hybrid model um, with a, a service organization. This is not, you know, full deck is not that. And so you don't have the same challenge. It's also knowing your business model and knowing what you want to go after. And I mean, balancing time is huge too. You know, that was, that was also when my daughter, she was, I think about 10 years old or so. Um, and I was picking her up in the middle of the day, I picked her up from school. She's like, dad, I love the fact that you can set your own hours and you can work from home if you want. But, you know, even when you're home, you're not home because you're always thinking about work and talk about an entrepreneur's gut check. Yeah. You know, I, I, was that really happening? You know, I've had to have that conversation with my own kids before, you know, it's tough, but it's part of the journey. Right. And I mean, it's for me, I've always sat my kids down and explained to them, you know, where things come from. Mm -hmm. Right. And that good things in life come from work and uh, appreciation of work and, and how, you know, things just don't fall out of the sky. And if we want a new bike or we want a new you know, game or we want some new clothes or whatever, like there's work and intelligence and effort and organization that goes into making those kinds of things happen. And, you know, when your kids see you um, and they say, you know, see you working on a, you know, take a call on a weekend, there's a balance, right? You know, you need to be present. Emily calls her, you got your, your balls in the air, right? And yeah. some are some are plastic and some are glass and you can drop some balls, right? The plastic ones. And they're going to be okay. Like, all right, what? No big deal. Your kid wanted you to, you know, I don't know, cut a steak and you didn't, you weren't able to do that because the phone rang, but you, you can't miss his ball game or you right. can't, you know, those kinds of things. You find that those balances, but I've always been a big believer in making my kids understand that um, lack of effort is not something to be proud of. It's something to be ashamed of. If you're not trying, if you're not appreciating hard work, um, then you're not, you know, you don't, you don't really appreciate the things that you have if you don't appreciate how they got there. And 
I don't know, it sort of touches a nerve sometimes when I hear my kids say things like that. But it's a normal way of looking at things. They want you to be playtime all the time because they're a kid. But it's important that you don't let them grow up to be an adult that thinks it's playtime all the time or you're going to be screwing around in a middle of job. You don't ha- you know, you, you're not, you hate your job, you hate your life, you're not making enough money, you know, and wh- why? Because you're not taking it upon yourself to make your situation better. Yeah, I mean, well, that, that's, those are all like, hot tip parenting tips, you know, Uh, uh, at the same time, you know, it's like leadership in one-on-one, you got to balance life leadership and and parenting leadership um, along with the leadership journey that you have uh, as a, as an entrepreneur, as a member of other businesses, you know, whatever stages you learn along the way, uh, you know, I'm a student of all of that and, and having those conversations totally different. The way that you and I are raising our kids seems to be very similar, you know, very, up front and, and having adult yeah. conversations with young children that other people are, won't have. I know my parents never did that with me, you know, and, and it was a totally different world, but we're leading our kids in a different way. And I think we're doing them a service by doing that. They can either say, Hey, this is what I want to do when I grow up, or this isn't what I want to do when I grow up. And now I can see why I don't want to do it. Right. But to your point, it is about effort and understanding, you know, you might not want to start your own business, but, if you don't put in the effort in school and learn what you need to learn and not only learn the subjects, but learn the, the, the habits, you know, that is where you're going to fail. And it's kind of funny. Uh, I was recently met up with a high school classmate of ours that uh, we hadn't seen in 10, 15 years. And, um, you know, we're just kind of comparing what we've done in the last decade or so. And um, in high school, I was not the model student by any stretch. Um, and I never learned how to study. I, I didn't complete college the first time around. But, you know, here I am, finished my MBA while working full-time and a parent full-time and started my first company, you know, middle 30, mid-30s. And my friend looked at us and goes, wow, I would have never seen that. You're a totally different person than you were in high school. You know, I don't even know where that sense of drive comes from. And it's just like, I don't know either, but it's where it is. And so having that conversation with the kids, you know, sure, you don't like history, but you got to learn history. Well, I don't want to learn it. It's all boring. Cool. But what you're going to learn is how to interpret data. You're going to learn how to interpret events and you're going to learn how to you know, study and read other people's thoughts. It's a skill that you need for, you know, life. Yeah. That's why you learn it, right? And so little things like that. I know we've gone way off target from our original conversation. <laughs> that's okay. No. But uh, that's what happens when you slow roast things. Yeah, this is what happens when you slow roast things. Well, and this is this has been a great conversation, and I'm I'm thrilled to have you here. Everybody, go check out Full Deck Coffee at fulldeckcoffee.com. Go buy some. Uh, go go max out Al Hopper's evening so he has to roast. Uh, his rear end off <laughs> to get all the coffee excited to get uh, my hands on some myself and uh, if you like this episode make sure you give us a five star rating uh, give us a thumbs up wherever you see us on social media we'll see you next time thanks for being here Al thanks for having me Jared